and welcome to another episode of the NPC Talk Show. This is your host, Sludge. Of course, NPC is the non-perfect Christian talk show. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying the show, uh, or the shows so far, I should say. I've gotten good feedback from everybody and um, seen a good amount of play, so I appreciate that. I appreciate if you guys will definitely, uh, if you're listening to this on Podbean, go ahead and subscribe to it there. If you listen to it on YouTube, go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe is there, as well as turn on the notification bell so that you can see when these pop up. Uh, give us a check out on Facebook as well, like the page, share the page, um, just to help spread what we're doing here. And uh, it's going to be a kind of a quick show. It's been a busy, 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 busy week, two weeks for Sludge and the crew. Um, especially I know Micah's got a lot going on. Uh, Micah's now an official homeowner. Congratulations, Micah. And uh, his future bride, well, we call her, her nickname's Walter, but her name's really Rachel. I'm super excited for them about that. And of course, me and Sarah's had a lot going on, especially me. It has been a busy, busy, busy two weeks. Um, for those who know, I, of course, I've joined the band Awaken, and we're starting. We just released our new album on February 26th, Monsters Machines. If you haven't checked it out, please check it out, and hopefully you enjoy it. But uh, we're prepping for shows and things like that, so we've been having to do a lot of uh, prepping for rehearsals, and, and we live kind of all over the place. So um, we got together, actually, uh, as I'm recording this, at 1 a.m., on a Saturday night uh, before I released this. Just got back from Clarksville, which is a five-hour drive one way from where I'm at. Um, it's from band rehearsals. So bit busy week, a lot going on. Uh, of course, I started back in school. Um, I'm going to the International School of the Word um, from Perry Stone. Uh, pretty stoked about that. So it's just a lot going on. Been been busy, 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 busy. Um, so we're going to kind of do a streamline show for you today but we've got something super special i want to give you just a little bit of news drop a song at you do a quick little devotional drop another song at you and then we got something super super special got another testimony from you or for you uh for this episode but it's from someone that's very uh special and dear to my heart somebody i spent time with on the road his name is billy ballinger and uh, he was with of course he had break the great ministries for many many years um just a amazing man of god has an a, incredible testimony of the background he went through i mean the background of just a a, a pretty kind of out there crazy violent life um <clears throat> and what god's done for him is is truly amazing and uh so he's we'll catch him uh at the end of the show and i know his testimony is going to just definitely definitely touch you and we're going to change the music up a little bit you know i know you guys are used to sludge doing the rock and the hard stuff and we've got some rock for you it's coming here real soon don't worry but got two special songs today it's gonna be a little more of the pop rock pop side of the things and it's gonna be ballinger himself gonna be playing an older song of his which happens to be my favorite uh you played it live with him several times i used to tour with him a little bit and play bass for him called this moment and then uh before he brings his testimony up uh we've got his newest single the tree and the nails which of course you can listen to on radio uh, so if you've got a christian station near you that you listen to make sure you call in request it looking for billy ballinger the tree and the nails definitely know you guys are gonna enjoy those songs very powerful very powerful so let's jump into some news for you guys real quick we, there's a lot going on, you know, of course, you know, America's canceling everybody. We know, you know, we've canceled Gina Carano and now we've canceled Pepe Le Pew, uh, which I don't understand that one because, you know, he's, a, they're attaching him to rape culture. But every time I watch Pepe Le Pew is the dude who wanted, you know, someone to fall in love with and it, it never worked out. He always failed. So, um, bad example in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, so they're canceling, canceling him. They're canceling Dr. Seuss books, canceling Speedy Gonzalez. It's just like, I mean, it's everything. 
Um, before you know it, everything's going to be canceled. Mr. Potato Head, um, this country needs major prayer. So there's a lot going on that we know about, but there's definitely something super important that I want to address and talk about in the news section. Of course, we've got a lot of bills going on uh, from the House of Representatives. Um, of course, we got the, the gun bill that they're trying to pass that uh, and just hopefully will not pass whatsoever. Um, that thing is a mockery. And we've talked about it before. But a new one uh, that they're working on is the Equality Act. Um, and this is a dangerous um, bill uh, to be worked on because it's going to change the foundations of this country if it passes. Um, you know, the, the bill's all about not discriminating and showing love, especially when it comes to the LBGTQ community. Um, and while we need to love everybody, no matter what, to show love towards people, um, we can't hide the truth of God's word and, uh, and his stance on that community as far as, as I mean, the sin that they're going through. Um, and I know that progressive Christianity's really pushing that it's kind of an okay thing. And, and we'll, and we'll, we'll dive into that deep here soon on a future episode, um, just to kind of make sure that that's dealt with. Uh, deeply as far as the scripture and where we come from. But there's something I want to point out in regards to this new bill um, that I think is very important. And as Christians, this is in the news and you need to be aware of what's happening. Okay. So, and you can go pull this up for yourself, go to congress.gov. I mean, we, everything we talk about, we will put on the links uh, for the, when the show's aired, uh, but go check it up, uh, check it out yourself. It's the house resolution five. Okay, and this is an act uh, in regards to it's the one that you hear about called the Equality Act. And in Section 2, Paragraph 8 of the Equality Act, okay, this is what it states. And this is something that really needs to be. There's a lot of stuff that you need to review on this, a lot of stuff. But as far as a Christian standpoint, what we can expect, okay, I've said this on my personal Facebook page. I've said it in previous episodes. We're seeing things happen step by step little steps we need to be aware of. And this is one you need to be aware of at this point. But again, it's the new Equality Act. Section 2, paragraph 8 states, both LGBTQ people and women face widespread discrimination. I don't agree with them, or I don't disagree with them on that. They, they do. Uh, in employment and various services, including by entities that receive federal financial assistance. Such discrimination, a is particularly troubling and inappropriate for programs and services funded wholly or in part by the federal government. B undermines national progress towards equal treatment, regardless of sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity. And C is inconsistent with the constitutional principle of equal protection under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. Okay, so this is what it is saying that the LB, uh, LGBTQ people, and which I think it's funny that they don't want to discriminate, but they call them, they separate them out like that. And women, Okay, it's key that women's included on this face widespread discrimination in employment and various services. Okay, here's here's where especially ones that get federal financial assistance. Those things are key, super key to this. Okay, Um, especially when it comes to inappropriate or it's inappropriate for programs and services funded wholly or in part by the federal government. Here's here's where this is going to really cause an issue in the foundation of this country. Okay. And it's kind of an oxy or hypocritical in my opinion. So it's about LGBTQ rights and women's rights. Okay. Including services funded wholly or in part by the federal government. What is one of the services that's paid for mostly by the federal government or a large chunk of Medicare and Medicaid? 
Okay. Insurance, your tax money pays for health insurance. It goes towards it. We know this. Okay. What is paid for? No, well, it wasn't for last year, you know, previous administration. It is again now. Um, things like abortion. Okay. Which as a Christian, you should totally be against. Be, I have no problem doing an episode on just abortion. I very much am, you know, I don't ever want to ever, ever, ever knock somebody or dog somebody or make somebody feel bad if they've had one. Okay. Love that person to death. Pray for that person there. If they need that person, they went through a very, very hard time. Um, and God forgives them of that. That does not mean, however, having that abortion is right or is good. Okay. Um, and we can get into that in an episode two. You guys let us know, of course, start commenting and, and messaging us and let us know things you'd like to hear us, topics you want us to talk about. But anyways, back to this. So part of the federal government, okay. Things that are funded by the federal government, said Medicare, Medicaid, your taxes are paying for health insurance. It is now funded for abortions as well. Okay. So this right here in this section is to set up making it illegal for an employer who receives federal financial assistance to discriminate from things that are funded wholly or in part by the federal government. This includes, okay, and the way that they break this thing down, uh, things like um, uh, abortion, sex changes, you know, gender identity, identity disorder issues. Um, and they'll probably include Thing. Well, I mean, they're not working, but I mean, just there's a whole wide of stuff here, wide area of things here. But, you know, there's a lot of things that they're going to pocket in here that goes against Christian morals. It goes against the Bible, black and white, period. OK, it just completely goes against it. So this little section, OK, is going to go after employers, places of employment um, that discriminate against the LGBT community and women, they've included things like programs or services funded by the government. So that's health insurance related, which means abortions, which means um, gender you know, surgeries and things like that. Um, and then, of course, they include the, the undermined national progress towards equal treatment, regardless of sex, orientation, or gender identity, um, and it is inconsistent with the Constitution. Uh, remember the baker that refused to uh, bake a cake for a gay couple, okay? They are pushing this that if you do anything against the LBGT community or women, that stops them from doing things like having abortions, having a sex change, you know, baking a cake for a gay couple. If you disagree and don't want to do that or will not support it, you can now be attacked for this or, or, or criminalized for this. Okay. There, they will come out, especially those that are federally funded. Part of that being churches, um, or church based employment, because you got 401c. Okay. That's for nonprofit religious, uh, entities. Okay. It's tax exemption. Okay. That's, that's again, like it said in the text itself. Okay. That, um, for fi federal financial assistance. That's the 401c. Okay. That's, that's, that's specifically targeting. Okay. Religious employers, groups, services, things like that. Okay. They will not be able to say we will not fund or support abortion, sex changes, birth control, 
I mean, because a lot of the Catholic places that don't support birth control, okay, no longer can do that. If you do that, you can be retaliated against, like removing your 401c capabilities, your federal assistance from the government, you can no longer get, okay? That's the problem that we're, that's, we're fixing the face. I keep saying this step by step, this is coming, okay? This is what's going to happen next if this passes. If this passes, discrimination against LGBTQ people and women is going to remove financial assistance for religious entities, okay, for the churches, for the Catholic churches, for the Jewish churches, okay? Financial assistance, your 401c especially, is going to be gone. Here's the biggest problem with that, though. That is hypocritical because I'll get out. Because the moment you do that, you're now attacking and discriminating against those people's religious freedoms, okay? This is going to be a tricky line that's going to be walked, but this is what's coming, okay? I keep telling y'all, be in your word, be reading, be prepared. Things are getting crazy, and you just need to pay attention um, to what's happening. And anything like this, especially when it comes to political, man, uh, it's important. Call your state representatives, okay? Voice your opinion. Uh, when they did the $1.9 trillion relief bill here recently, I wish I could remember the uh, Democratic representative's name um, who had worked on the bill in the House and approved it initially and agreed with it. But then he came back and voted against it because, and he stated this, and I thought this is awesome, because we do not vote these people in to push their own personal agendas. Okay, They're there because we voted for them for us okay we're the constituents and this man stated on fox and cnn i vote for my constituents i always vote what they want and he always has so i mean he was for it but then voted against it because that's not what his constituents wanted hats off to you man that's awesome um so this stuff you need to be aware of when you don't agree with what you're seeing happening in your local government federal level as well be calling Voice your opinion so that it can be heard. But be prepared. Just want to get that quick little bit of news out there for the Equality Act. I mean, again, we are to show and act in love, but we cannot hide or cover the truth. But that does not mean you discriminate against somebody who's an LGBTQ person or a woman. I mean, you just don't do that, period. Show them love all day long, okay? But you're fixing to see the religious foundations of this country get rocked and changed, possibly, if this passes. Um, because the moment that someone discriminates and doesn't pick a cake, uh, they can face fines and charges and have their business shut down or be canceled. Okay. Uh, if your employer who is a Catholic, uh, entity, a religious entity refuses to offer you options for healthcare, for birth control or a sex change or abortion, you don't, you know, they can lose their 401c, if not worse. And that's hypocritical because you're applying for that said entity who has those religious views, and now you're attacking them, discriminating against them for discriminating against you. It's not a good thing. Go work somewhere else type deal because um, you know what you're going to get into. But be aware, um, like I said, don't want to take too much time in news. There's a lot going on You know, next the next episode this month, we will get more into news, but I just want to make that aware for everybody. And I'm just going to go ahead and I got, I'm super excited about Bill, Bill Ballinger uh, being on this. So I kind of want to get to him as quick as I can. Um, we'll hit you guys with a song and then we'll do a quick little devotional, hit you with another song, and then we're going to bring Bill on. So this is the first song of the night. This is Disciple. The song is Scarlet from the album Attack. 
Disciple Scarlet. That lyrically is such a powerful, powerful, powerful song. All right, so let's jump into a quick little devotion for you guys here. And I wanted to do this because uh, this just happened to me last weekend, and it was super, super awesome. Um, God chastised me like none other during a Sunday morning service at church, and it was awesome. And uh, got a little bit of scripture for you um, that was pertinent and, and had come to me um, in regards to this. And so I want to make sure that uh, I shared it with you guys. thought it was really, really good. And it's from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And some of you might think, okay, sludge, the Lord chastised you and you're excited about it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, come on. When, when you're as a parent or we've all got parents. Our parents didn't discipline us because they were they, they hated us. They did it because they wanted us to learn, because they loved us. You know, I mean, when you tell your young child, hey, don't run out into the road, you say that because you love them and you want them to run, be around and not be hit by a car, to be hurt or things like that. You know, I mean, when you when you discuss with your kids, they're going into their teenage years, hey, this is what you need to look look out for and be prepared for when it comes to society in your school things like drugs and, and and sexual temptations, you're not telling them that to be mean and instructing them. You're doing that to teach them because you love them. When they come home and they've messed up and, and they've done something wrong, you discipline them out of love. And God does that for us because he, he disciplines those he loves. And in those disciplines and that he does, he teaches us and we grow from that. And man, I just had an awesome moment. And I might break into that one, uh, you know, sometime soon in the near future. And pretty much I had a lot of internal struggles going on at the time last week. It's been for a little bit, man. I mean, I've been really digging deeper personally into God's word more than just picking up mine. I've got a King James Bible. I've got New King James. I've got NIV. I've got New American Standard. Um, I've got tons of different Bibles and, and translations. And uh, But I wanted to know more about the he- in Hebrew. I wanted to study the Greek and the Aramaic. And and during the process, I, you know, talking to a few people, had some things come up. I've kind of been internally struggling with translations. And, and, you know, I mean, I know how the Bible came about. You know, most people are like, King James is it. Well, there were English Bibles before the King James. Um, but I know how, you know, the Gospels were chosen. I understand how that was done and how the Bible had come about here, you know, with the King James, the 1611, you know, the NIV, the New American Standard. I know how these translations came about, and but I was really dealing internally with some things, especially with a new translation called the Passion Translation, which uh, I just don't endorse. I can't endorse um, for many reasons, and maybe we'll get into that one day. But so anyways, um, I was dealing with that, and then I was dealing with uh, personally uh, um, things that we see in church and churches. Um, and uh, a lot of this stemmed from recently watching a movie called American Gospel um, that can be found on, on Netflix and, and AGTV that somebody had brought it to my attention. And while I don't agree with a lot of what was done in that movie, to be completely honest with you, scripturally, is there a lot of sound information and true information there? Yes, but there's a lot in that uh, documentary that I just I didn't agree with. And it left me frustrated on some things. And one of the things it touches on is, is worship, especially today. Um, so, I mean, last Sunday I had just a lot of this, just a lot of, of, of confliction internally with uh, translations, with worship, with 
uh, honestly, denominations, just a lot going on. And it was interfering with me during Sunday morning service. Um, and, and God was just on me. He was just like, look, dude, let's not do this. Cause every Saturday night, just so y'all know sludge, this is how it works every Saturday night when I go to bed and I'm doing my prayers and things or during the day when I'm praying, I always make sure and say, Lord, make sure I am prepared. Make sure that I am ready um, for the word to be, to receive your word tomorrow morning, Sunday morning uh, that you have given the pastor to speak to the body. Um, let's prepare my heart for that and make me be ready to receive. And here it is Sunday morning and I'm not receiving anything, man. Because I'm arguing with myself about these internal struggles. And God just hits me, man, hits me hard and hits me with, you know, with Proverbs 311. You know, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because he does it, he does this out of love. Okay. And he did, man. He just he got onto me and I couldn't help but think about and it was cool because man, he I got so much clarity and peace and God just worked with me big time, man. And and I just felt a lot of freedom all of a sudden. I mean, he got he definitely got onto me, chastised me for sure. Um, and I won't go into details of the things that he that he was telling or speaking to me, but it was just an awesome moment, okay? When I mean, even when like, oh man, you know. I heard God today, but he yelled at me, you know, it's okay, man. He does it for a reason and he does not love, you know, you look back at, at Jonah. Okay. Well, thank you, Lord, for not making me be swallowed up by a fish for three days to teach me a lesson, you know, but God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Okay. He, he wanted the people of Nineveh to repent and a lot was going on there in Nineveh as far as historically, and I won't get into that, but the, the point was, God told Jonah, go here, speak to these people. And Jonah didn't do it. He didn't want to. What happens? Got swallowed by a fish for three days. And where's that fish take him? Straight to Nineveh anyways. And that was the discipline that he went through. That was the rebuke that he went through. It was during that time, that trial, those three days that he realized you know, what his, where his wrongs were and how to correct it and what to fix it. And y'all know the rest of that story. And that's what it was about, man. And I just want to uplift you guys and let you all know it's okay when you have those moments, you know, in the book, James tells us to count it, count trials, count this as joy when we face trials and tribulations. Okay. That's how those who persevere. That's how we mature. That's how we grow. And God will never put more on us than we can bear. He tells us that in his word as well. So I just want to encourage you. I mean, I had major encouragement last weekend. Yes, I got chastised, but you know what? I grew from it, man. I learned from it and I got peace and I got freedom and a lot of stuff in just a matter of minutes on a Sunday. And it was awesome. And I just wanted to share that with you guys and just let, you know, remember that again, Proverbs 3. 11 through 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Tells us again in James, he'll never put us, you know, or tells us to count it as joy when we go through trials and tribulations because that's, you know, that builds perseverance, that builds your faith. And, and you, we need that as Christians. And we just learned so, so much, so much. And just like, a, you know, if you're a parent listening, you know, when you, when you have to discipline your kid, it's to teach them so that they can grow, be a better person. You know, if you're not, don't have kids, you still have parents and you know that your parents disciplined you for those same reasons. It's out of love. It's not out of anything but love. So take that with you. Take that to heart, man. 
Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Meditate on that, pray on that, and hopefully you guys get something cool out of that. Just a quick little devotion for you all. And man, we're going to jump to our next song. I told y'all, I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm super excited. We're streamlining this episode a little bit because it's been a crazy two weeks um, here at Sludgecast uh, with everything we've got going on. Uh, but I'm pumped for this testimony, man. I spent years on the road uh, with Billy Ballinger, man. Like, not not full time like I was with the protest, but I, I mean, I still pull up. I played all the shows. He just didn't play as frequently uh, because he was doing a lot of uh, school ministries and things. And then we put a concert on. And I mean, he's just got a heart for those who are hurting, hard for those, especially kids that deal with things like suicide. Uh, I mean, you just you can't be around a man and not feel the love and then just feel the anointing that God's got on him. And he's impacted so many people and has such an awesome testimony. And so I'm ready to get to it, man. I want y'all to hear this. I know that someone's going to hear that and it's going to impact their life in a big way. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and move to another song and I'm going to get soft on y'all instead of just doing the normal hard rock stuff. I'm going to play my favorite song from Billy Ballinger himself. I got to play this one on stage. So y'all imagine years ago, Hard rocker, metalhead, long dreadlocks. All I did was just bang that bass and scream day in and day out on a stage. I got up on stage, looked pretty cool, put my dreads up, grabbed my six-string bass, and I would play this. It's called This Moment. Find a way to let you love me through my fault. 
All right, guys, and I want you all to welcome our special guest for this episode. Of course, his name is Billy Ballinger. Talked about him a little bit earlier. Welcome, Billy. Billy, say hey, man. Sludge. Man, I'm so glad to see your face again. Actually, our viewers, our listeners don't get to see it, but man, it's so good to have him talk to you in a while, hearing so many great things about what you're doing and doing musically, and now to be on your show, bro. It's oh, awesome. Same here, man, dude. You're, you're one of those dudes that, and I know you know we brought you on for your testimony, but just to get a couple things out, you're one of those dudes that like I can go like months without talking. You're always in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? Always praying uh, for you, and of course, and Jared, too. It's like I can go months not hear or talk to you and then all of a sudden we just call each other and it's like it's the months never happened you know what i mean it's just it picks up like no, it was cool, yesterday it? I, I love it's, that there's very few people that i do that with and you're you're one of those select few because you're that cool i'm honored man yeah i remember hitting you up and talking to you uh when i was stuck on the highway somewhere in tennessee on my way to a building 429 concert yeah yeah <laughs> just yeah. last year just yeah. last year and uh, anyway, it's, it's so good, man. So glad to to hear and see everything that's happening in your in your band. And man, you got a lot going on. I appreciate that, man. Same for you. And we were talking before we started recording this segment that uh, I got on YouTube and found a video of me playing with you. And it was just it was awesome to see because it was an old song of yours, Scream. I love still love that song. I've got it on my uh, jump drive that I keep in my car and uh, for all my music. And when those shows were great, man, I mean, I love the ministry that you did and how you'd go through the schools every, you know, for the week prior, then do those big concerts for the kids. But it was such a fun experience and interesting experience because for me, you know, we, the protest would play and I'd have my, you know, my skinny jeans and my rock t-shirt, my dreads down, sweating, screaming for, you know, 40 minutes. And I'd have to run off stage and change real quick, get my, you know, my, flannel shirt maybe a vest and put the dreads up and i'd be all clean cut looking when i get on stage with you and it was just it was pretty cool i actually had the <clears throat> one of my biggest battle wounds was you one of your shows actually in battle creek michigan uh we played a i'm trying to remember yeah. what the show was i remember we played outside in battle creek and and protested played and during that set i had busted uh, a blood vessel in my hand because uh, I used to hit my bass on certain notes, and it hurt. It swelled up like a softball, and oh, and it was just nothing but pain. So I ran off stage between sets, and Jeanette Yoder had ran me over to the nurse's tent, and we ended up just having to just poke the blood out pretty much. And then we, we they had nothing for me there, so we just duct taped my whole hand, and then oh, except my for my fingers, and that's how I played your set was with just a bandaged up by duct tape hand and it was just oh. It was, oh it hurt so much good days good good, good times back then that must have been when we started tracking bass no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't do it at that point so good times man so many right we got a lot to thank god for just letting us uh do these things like it's just you have to pinch yourself sometimes and and then sometimes when you get in like the the momentum of life you're doing everything you know you're dreaming about a new dream every day and something else you want to accomplish and Sometimes you got to stop and smell the roses and remember what the Lord has done yes. for all these things that he, you know, he had you, man, I just think about that. Just hearing you talk about it, it's like, wow, I think I did, I think 2020 because of COVID, right? I think I did one, I spoke in one school, one school. The whole year. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, but, but it's just such a, it's so different, you know, but, but I know that, uh, that, you know, 
I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to use the time wisely and get ready, you know, get yeah, ready for absolutely. So it's what we were born to do, you and I. So that's what we got to keep, keep doing. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And things change, you know, we take different avenues and, but God still uses us in those things that he's gifted us with. And, uh, I think it works yeah. really, really well. So, well, man, yeah. So we brought you on here now. I know your testimony. I mean, I've heard it. Uh, before and it is a very very powerful testimony and i just felt it was important to to bring your testimony on uh to the listeners of the show uh, because i think it's very impactful um and uh, that's one of the things that uh when i started doing the 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 show the third section for the deep dive where we do you know get into some biblical studies or deeper devotions god really laid on my heart to to start incorporating testimonies and uh, no one can take a testimony away from you. Uh, my brother Reese, who uh, did his testimony previously, that's something he would always state is, is that your testimony is your witness, and no one can ever take that away from you. No one can ever change that. And uh, only your testimony is going to reach certain people uh, in a very powerful way. And I think that's so true and so important, man. So uh, I thank you so much for coming on to do that. And I'll just let it, hand it off to you, man. You, it's your testimony. Yeah. You roll with it. Yeah, again, I just want to say I'm honored to be here and be, be a part of it with you. And I'm just trusting God to use this, use our testimonies. Uh, you know, one of the things that's really stuck out to me the last few years is uh, uh, about the last year and a half is your testimony is the greatest sermon you ever preach. Now, I've preached a lot of different sermons through the years. I've spoken in churches. I've shared my testimony. I've traveled. I've sung. I've did this, did that. But your testimony, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of your testimony. Obviously, yeah. a testimony is not a testimony unless Jesus is part of that. Mm-hmm. And so in my case, in my case, it's just, you know, I look back and go, wow, <clears throat> it is amazing how God turned my life around. You know, we've all got our different stories about being how, how it was when we were kids, right? You know, just, the, you know, I experienced bullying a lot, you know, and so they talk about that a lot in schools. I've, I've done it. You've been with me before when we right. spoke yeah. about things that teenagers go, and it's real. It's real. But really what that's about is, is the person that's doing the build, the bullying doesn't always really realize that they're being used by the enemy because the, the, the target is, I believe, from the enemy is to shut down your dream, to get you to shut down, to get you to stop your momentum of moving forward and growing and learning and getting to the point to where you can implement your dream, whatever that may be. Because all of us had those pictures that were dropped into our hearts and dropped into our minds when we were little kids, you know? Think about music. Both of us are musicians. Both of us are, are full-time involved in music. So that that just didn't start one day. You just didn't go, hey, I'm just going to, I guess you could. I guess you could do that. You could just say, yeah, I'm going to start. But it didn't start like that, you know? So, I mean, I can just, when I was, I tell this story a lot in schools. When I was When I was seven years old, of course, I always had an interest in music. My mom used to listen to music all the time. And she had all these records, man. She had all these uh, these little records, right? And so I would get them out and I'd go through records and I'd find all that. I love doo-wop, the old, old stuff. I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I became an Elvis Presley fan, you know? I just was into that. And of course, uh, anyway, just I could go down the list of all that kind of stuff. Never was really like, uh, you know, into the too, he- too much heavy, heavy rock, you know? And so, unlike me, back, yeah, all, yeah, man. that's all it was. But, but you know, and then later I became obviously a, a pop rock musician and, and began to do that. But, but the funny thing is, when I was seven years old, uh, I got my all my friends together in my backyard, 
And we were standing behind my gra- my dad's garage, and it's in Taylorsville, Indiana, and uh, just south of Indy. And I remember right where I was standing at, and I told my friends, I said, "You, I said, you guys, I was seven, okay? So I said, and all my friends, there's like two of them. <laughs> so I have like two friends. I said, you see that big pile of wood over there behind my dad's garage? I said, we're going to take that pile of wood, and we're going to build a stage. And they're just looking at me. Their eyes are getting real big. And I said, we're going to build a stage. And I said, we're going to have a band. Now, none of us knew how to do anything. We're just watching other people do it and dreaming. I said, we're going to have a band. We're going to build that stage out of that wood. We're going to get up on the, I mean, we didn't even know how to nail stuff together. I said, we're going to get up on that stage and play. And I said this one statement. I said, all the little girls are going to come watch us sing. You know, <laughs> soon their eyes got really, really big, you know, then. But, you know, you think about those things. Think about things when you're younger that could that be that God had divinely dropped this desire into your heart? You may not have the reasons right as to the why, and it may not be developed, but it's there. I really think that if every person, even the people that have committed suicide, attempted suicide, or experiencing deep, deep depression, the Bible says that where there's no hope, the heart will be sick. So biblically speaking, we know that that the reason for depression is hopelessness. You may you can try to talk somebody that's depressed and try to talk them out of it, and they can't get out. They can't get out of it unless there's, you know, unless somehow they snap out of it or there's this supernatural intervention. And I really believe if 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 everybody could see what they could become, and believe in seeing that, that's a vision that God's put on the inside of us. And I began to see that as a little kid, but you know, I didn't really have people that not that it was their fault, but didn't have people investing in me. Like, you know, just really pushing me forward saying, you can do that. Go after the music, go after this. What are you dreaming about? What do you want to do with your life? You know, for me, it was get your grades up. You know, uh, I, I know you're saying you're being bullied in school, but you'll get over it. You'll get past it. Go on back to school. You know, I think they meant well, I don't want to sit here and put my parents down because I'm very grateful. I was, listen, I was adopted when I was three years old. My adopt, my biological parents really struggled as young parents. So they gave me up for adoption to my aunt. My aunt adopted me and my aunt Mary became my mom. That's all. And, and her husband, Danny, my uncle, that became my mom and my dad. At the same time, they didn't really know anything about dreams and vision and how God would, you know, the Bible says without a vision, you're going to perish, man. You're going to die. You're going to shrivel up and die, you know, and God intends for us to accomplish something great. I don't think it's just a few of us. I think it's all of us. And I think that reason the enemy is trying to beat us down with condemnation and fear and, and, and keeping you out of the money. So you can't ever have no money. So you can't ever get anything done, you know, cause you're just working your hands, fingers to the grindstone, but all that time, you know, in the back of your mind, there's something more. Mm-hmm. I believe God that put that in there, but I didn't have that kind of direction. So guess what happened? So then I, my adoptive parents get a divorce when I'm 10. Uh, I'm living with this dad, my dad and stepmom. And then I'm living with my mom and my stepdad. I'm going back and forth. And then I start running away, start running away from home and run back over here. Then I left them all and ran to my grandparents. And then after that, I got put on probation for running away. Now in school, my report card, bro, my school report card was just F, you know, just, they might as well just put one big capital F fail <laughs> on my school because I couldn't focus, couldn't concentrate. I was bullied all the time in school. 
I tell this in the public schools, beat up by a girl in the eighth grade. Now listen, in front of 50 people in my school, and this is public school. Oh man. You know, <laughs> and so that's just driving, you know, that's not doing much for your self-esteem. I really couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't win for losing in that situation. You know what I'm saying? So Man, dude, by the time I'm 16, I got sent to a place called White's Residential and Family Services uh, in Wabash, Indiana. It was a Christian facility. It's been around for about 160 years now, and it was co-ed. And the court system sent me there because I was struggling so much. And uh, they said, maybe you'll get your act together here. But the, and, I, and I began to do so. Thank God it was a Christian facility, and they began to pour into me and focus in on some talents and some giftings that I had. Mm-hmm. And I started, singing, I started singing in choir. Now, I had sang in choir a little bit in junior high, but this is in the juvenile correctional facility. I start going over to the chapel to sing in the choir. Now, they didn't have no screamers, though, so I don't know if uh, <laughs> how, how I got in choir. But, uh, I wasn't accepted but, back then. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, listen, though, I met this girl there, and that is Jody. That's my wife now. And she was there for, bro, if anybody... Her book, I got to give a shout out to her book. It's called Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. And it's about her mom and about her and her life. And she kind of combined it with our life in there. And it's just a story. I mean, this girl was on the street at nine years old doing whatever she wanted, man. Big filling her pockets with pills out of the refrigerator from her drug dealing uncle. And just going up to the garbage bags and grabbing all the marijuana she wanted to run out the door at nine years old. And I met this young, I, you know, my deal was running away. You know, I meet this girl in there. We fall in love and we, we get out. We go back to our different counties that we were from, still on probation. And, uh, and I was in love with her, though. And nobody would take me to go see her. I'm 17 years old now. I was like, well, I'm going to go see her. So I ran away from home again. I get to her family, bro, and her family, this is crazy. This tells you the difference in my home and her home. Her mom let me move in. Let's just put it like 16, 17 years old. She was 16, I was 17, her mom let me move in. And uh, I mean, her mom would get mad at me sometimes, kick me out, but then she'd get over it and let me right back in. She just really wasn't very disciplined that way. And I mean, my mom would have never let me move in with a girl in my house. You know what I'm saying? My mom would have just, I'd have went to heaven early. My mom would have killed me for sure. (laughs) But but anyway, so we, I stayed on the run, police looking for me, police show up at the house looking for me. I'd hide into the bed, hide in the other room, all kind of crazy stuff, running from the cops. And, but then what happened was, here's the deal. People need to hear this, man. Sometimes when the, when we don't realize when the enemy is attacking our life and trying to destroy us from dreaming and becoming who we're supposed to be, man, there's some really important decisions that are being made in our life right then. And if you don't make the right one, you're going to contribute to the destruction. And that's exactly what I did because I wasn't wanted in the in crowd. So when I got around Jody and before we were married, guess what? She came from the streets. So all the kind of people that used to pick on me in public schools from school to school to school and the kind of, I don't know, man, I just, it was like, I was a target. That's all I can say. Every mm-hmm. school. But when I turned 17, something started snapping on the inside. I started changing. I started thinking about things differently. And I was like, I'm just, I got fed up, I guess you could say. And of course, hanging out with Jody and her friends, uh, you weren't going to hang out with her friends and, and not take up for yourself. It just saying it wasn't going to happen. You know, that's just, that was her background. And one time, man, I don't want 
get into the details of it. But just one instance, a physical altercation resulted in me getting a taste of blood, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I realized that it was payback time. I was on the other side. Now I'm on the other side and I'm dishing out the punishment. I'm ashamed of it, but I liked it. I liked it. So the, so the devil set a trap for me big time. Because then, bro, it wasn't just once. That became my everyday life in Muncie, Indiana, was to go to the party, figure out who was my next target. That, that, was, that was what was happening with me. And so I began to go down, 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 getting into altercations and situations that all I can do right now is, my wife talks about it in the book, but all I can do about it right now is say, thank God somebody didn't blow my head off. I mean, I, I, I've been in fights in the middle of the street where, where we're on the ground and there's a gun involved in this, in this fight and the gun's trying to be pointed at my head and I'm, I'm dodging it. I mean, it is crazy. Everything from on the street to fights in the middle of the street to somebody coming up behind me and grabbing the insides of my mouth wow. from behind me, from behind me, sticking their fingers inside my mouth from behind and pulling it like that, wow. just pulling on it and ripping out my jawline inside here. And I look back and I go, how did, how, I must have had a, a grandmother somewhere, somebody somewhere was praying for me because thank God that after a couple, we got married when we were 18 and 17. My daughter was born when I was 18, but I didn't settle down. I got a job, but then I'd go to that job, and that job, and that job just to get enough money to have fun, right? It's right. really funny, Jimmy and I talk about it, bro. When we first got married, we had a drawer in our kitchen. <laughs> this is no joke. We had a drawer in our kitchen. You know that drawer? That drawer was where the bills went. Oh, I okay, know that drawer. Bill, dude, those bills stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stayed in that drawer, man. <laughs> Until we're like, why are they like, why are we getting notices? They're going to, oh my God, they're going to shut our electric off. I mean, we're just young kids, man. We were like, we. I wouldn't listen to nobody. I, was, I wouldn't listen to nobody. You couldn't have trained me at that point on pay your bills, get a bank account. It was like, get enough money to get a kegger and party. That's what we wanted to do. And people say, you know, I've spoken at recovery events. I've done a lot of celebrate recovery throughout the years. You know, I've spoken at a lot of prisons. And, and I think people think that I was addicted to something like Coke or heroin or something like that. I'm telling you, I was addicted to people. Addicted to people. And guess what it was doing? Even that was choking the life out of me. I had a flow of known felons in and out of my home. Uh, my house had became the party house. We got this apart, this little house, little shotgun house. <clears throat> uh, broke as we could be, but man, we could somehow come up with money for beer and pot. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. But a flow of known felons in and out there, and my little nine-month-old little baby girl in there. And then one day, uh, a, a good friend of mine, you're, you know, people we ran with back then, right? He he ripped somebody off. Ripped off some drugs, ripped off a, a nine millimeter and ripped off about $900 in cash. And I'm telling you, at that point, it was then World War Three on the south side of Muncie, where uh, our group of friends and their group of friends. And, and, and it was like a, you know, a battle going on as much as they were coming by my house with Jody sitting on the front porch. And, you know, my daughter, Mindy, mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. and Jody sitting on the front porch holding our little baby girl. And people were coming by at night shooting right over top of her head. You know, and this is happening. And finally, the police just got fed up. I guess they figured a bunch of young punks, you know, they, we need to settle this situation. So they called in a SWAT team from Indianapolis. 
and a SWAT team fully dressed in black from head to toe, black ski mask, black 12-gauge pump shotguns, and raided my house at 2 in the afternoon. And of all places to be arrested, I don't know if you remember this from our touring in schools, but I would tell the story. I was in the bathtub. Yep, yep. <laughs> Just got high. And I, I remember I remember thinking the police were looking for us, but also that the, the these other these other dealers were looking for us. I, you know, I didn't, he was always on edge, right? And I remember going in there and we didn't have a shower. That's why I was taking a bath. We didn't even have a shower, bro. And I was getting, I ran the water and I was getting ready to get in. And I heard some uh, dogs barking in the backyard. And so I peeked through the curtain and I see this cat crawling across the fence. And I'm thinking, okay, it's just a cat. But dude, as soon as I got down on the water, I heard wham, wham, wham. And the back door comes flying open and I hear them running through the house. And I'm thinking, I'm not knowing it's the cops yet. So I'm thinking, oh my God. It's, you know, it's over. And until I heard them say, take cover. And I thought, there's none of the people I run with that's going <laughs> yeah. to bust in your house saying, take cover. They're just going to bust in your house and, you know, cuss you out and then shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I jump up out of the water. I grab my pants, put them on real quick. Just as soon as I got my pants buttoned up, bathroom door comes flying open. And this huge, see, I just remember this dude was huge, man. Like I said, 12-gauge pump shotgun. He's wearing the black jumpsuit with the American flag on the, you know, yeah. on the sleeve. He's got a black ski mask on, and he's telling me, and he did start cussing, by, by the way. <laughs> me, I, uh, get your head, get up against the wall, and we'll rip, you know, I'm going to remove your head from your shoulders. So long story short, uh, they arrested me and Jody that day. Uh, tried to get us to cooperate and turn the people that we were running with, trying to turn them in on some different robberies and things like that. Some things I knew about, but bro, I was so addicted to people. I was so worried about my reputation. I didn't say nothing. I looked at Jody. She was standing on the front porch. Police had my whole street blocked off. Uh, ambulances, police cars, uh, those blue vans. They were around houses with guns. I'm standing on the front porch handcuffed. Jody is still holding our little nine-month-old baby girl at that moment, right? They just raided the whole house, pull us out front on the front porch. It was a nasty, rainy day, too. You know, it's kind of just yeah. dark and gloomy. And I remember looking at Jody and saying, don't tell them nothing. Don't say anything to them. And the, the officer asked her some questions, and she said, I'm not telling you nothing. And at the moment she said that, this Female, I think it was a female officer or sheriff. They have sheriff's deputies there. Walked over and took Mindy out of her arms. Took our little nine-month-old baby out of her arms. And I don't fault them for that, obviously. At the time, I did. You know, they put her in a put her in a detective's car in a car seat. They were ready. They were already ready. And they they took her, and we didn't know where they took her. Took me and Jody over to the detective's office. Uh, separated us, started questioning us, and we refused to talk. Long story short, after 30 days of foster care, gave my daughter to my mom, thank God for that. Uh, we bonded out of jail. Uh, and then eight months later, we went to trial. And when we went to trial, we had moved from Muncie, Indiana to Indianapolis. Jody got a different job. I went to Richmond State Hospital for, uh, it was supposed to be drug evaluation because I tampered with a drug test. Don't ever do that. Of course, you're not going to need to. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I tampered with a drug test. And when I did, they knew I did. 
And so they sent me to Richmond State Hospital to that unit over there. It's supposed to be for drug evaluation. When I got there, they were doing the intake and I found out, dude, this is more like drug. This is more like rehab. This is not evaluation. So 36 days later, I get out of there, you know, and um, and I this was a case, bro, where I truly was not addicted to any drug. But I had to comply with the program because if I said I wasn't, I was in denial. So anyway, yeah. so, I, you know, you know, I'm so, you know, I'm talking about. Right. Yep. So well, I get out of there. Two months later, we go to trial. They tried us together. We pled not guilty. And then we pleaded the fifth and refused to testify. The true two day trial. By now, I'm 19. Uh, let me see. No, by now, I'm 20. Jody's 19. And they found us guilty. Three gave us three felonies. And then they, uh, <clears throat> they gave us three felonies. And then two weeks later, sentenced both of us to six years in the Indiana Department of Corrections. So it came in, uh, and, and long story short, uh, over the next, over this time period of going to prison, now this is not juvenile anymore, this is adult prison. I did time in four different, four different prisons, Plainfield, Indiana State, Indiana State Prison in Michigan City, Madariville, um, and Camp Atterbury, where the military base is at. They had a DOC unit there. And Jody did prison in two different, she did time, prison time in two different facilities. So I know what it feels like, man, to wear them shackles on the ankles and the chain up to your waist where it goes around your waist with the chains, wear the stupid looking flip-flops and a <laughs> yeah. dumb looking suit and have somebody tell you when to get up and when to go to bed and, and when you can do your laundry and when you can eat and when you can't. And worst of all, your freedom. But it, really more so than that, when you have somebody that you love, and I, you know, I do love Jody and I did love her then as well. I was just being stupid. You know, the enemy had laid that trap for me and I went after it. And you know, the crazy thing, bro, she wanted out of that life. When I came in, she was done with it. She's like, man, she, she, she understood what everybody was like. She understood what that scene was like. Right. She just saw me going downhill fast and I just took it and ran with it and started working on my own reputation. I wanted to get me a reputation that I never had from the time I was one until I was 17. But see, what was happening was, is I always wanted to do something great. I knew I was supposed to be on that stage of life somehow. I know it's different for everybody. I just knew it, but I, I just couldn't breathe, man. You know, and I'm not saying it as an excuse, but it just felt like I couldn't breathe. And then for this moment, I could breathe now. And, and I had community and relationships, you know, but it was the wrong crowd. Very dangerous, very dangerous group of people. But anyway, landed me in prison. So my prison number, 892387, and Jody's was 89.36.99. 80, but guess what, bro? I had given my heart to Jesus Christ when I was 10 years old. And the funny thing is, now that you and I travel and we've done so many events, the funny thing is, is that how God sometimes will bring you back to your roots, right? Yeah. Because I got saved when I was 10 years old. Now, I know I, I didn't live for God after that, but I just was like the, the prodigal son, you know? Mm. And so, but when I was 10, I didn't get saved in the church. I came, to, I came to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at an event. Somebody pulled out the fire trucks. It was in a fire station. They set up a stage in the fire station. They preached the gospel. 
They ask all these little kids if they want to ask Jesus in their heart, and I raised my hand. And then the guy said, hey, do you want? I want you to come up front and stand in the front, because he probably wanted to pray for us, right? You know, do the altar call. Mm-hmm. I wasn't about to go up there, because I figured every little girl in that place is going to see me go up there, and I was embarrassed, right? But later, I went up to that guy, and I said, I want to do what you said in there, and I received Jesus as my Lord at age 10. So now I'm in prison at age 20, and I was hurting. I missed Jody. I miss my daughter. I lost my freedom. I'm hurting. I don't want no more drugs. I don't want no more violence. Whatever I had as far as addiction to people was gone. I was like, I realized what I lost. And I just dove into my Bible, man. I started reading the Bible again. I started praying. And you know what my prayer was? (laughs) My prayer was, get me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, And they would not let me write Jody. So if I was going to write Jody a letter in her prison, what I I literally had to do was I had to write a letter to her, fold it up, stick it in another letter to my mom, you know, like it was one of the pages. Yeah. And then send it to my mom. And then she would she would forward it on to Jody. So that's how I wrote Jody at first. But when I started reading my Bible, bro, God started connecting me with people. I started getting hungrier and hungrier for more of the word of God. I started praying, walking around the prison yards, talking to God and growing in my faith. And, and I was asking God to get me out early. I was asking him to get me out and get me back with my wife and, and get my daughter back and broke. My faith was growing. And after only after two years of incarceration, God changed the judge's heart after us praying and asking God to restore our family. God changed her heart and God restored. God changed the judge's heart. She let me and Jody free from prison on the same day. Less than two months after being released from prison, we were granted full custody of our baby girl. No oh, strings wow. attached. No yeah. welfare department counseling. Nothing. Got my daughter back. She was three and a half years old. Yes, I missed that time. You know, but I, I got her back. And I never lost her again. And from that time forward, I never returned to drugs. I, I You know, as far as part the party life drugs, you know, so mm-hmm. I didn't return to any drugs, but I wasn't somebody that did drugs every day. What I'm saying is I didn't return to the party life. I didn't return to the beer. I didn't return to the liquor. You know, people can do what they want and drink or whatever. I just, the only reason I drank was because I wanted to, I wanted to become somebody I wasn't. I wanted to fit in that scene. And so that's, that, that old life is dead to me now. Mm-hmm. And so Bro, I mean, not long after that, my son was born and we just kept living for God. And it was probably 10 years after that release before I ever started recording music. I became a preacher. I started going to nursing homes and prisons and speaking and pastoring a church and singing a special in church every now and then. I became a prison fellowship instructor holding seminars. And then Somebody said, man, you got a voice. You should, you should. And I had that dream since I was a little kid. Yeah. And here I was going, all right, maybe there's something here, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to Nashville without a label and figured it out. God helped me, you know, and I got some support from some folks and did it. Did my first record. Then I did my second record and I just started dreaming, bro. And, and by my, by my, by my second, within, let me see. Within two years, within two and a half years of recording, I was on international television, worldwide TV, 34 satellites, singing praises, praises to Jesus. I'm, I'm on the stage. I was on the world 
stage having this opportunity. And it just has caused me to be so thankful to God all this time. And, and then, you know, because we toured together, God yeah. sent us into public schools. So for 15 years, the Lord used us to reach over 330,000 kids in the public school systems. A lot of times I think people think Christians are going to speak out. They think it's all Christian schools. I really was very rarely in a Christian school. It was always a public school. Yeah, so you, I know when I was with you, it was always public schools, always. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's interesting about that? In 2005, the Lord spoke to my heart. I've never heard God with these ears, but I just knew in the inside. He said, take your story to the public schools. Invite them back. And I knew what he meant. Invite them back for a concert. Right? Yeah. And they will come. Now that, listen, the first teacher he told me that, I'd never spoken to school. I think I'd maybe one. I'd spoken one school. I'd never done a concert in a school at that point. I had, I had, I was a solo artist. I was doing contemporary Christian stuff. It wasn't until I started going to schools that I joined another rock band, became the lead vocalist for that band, and started learning more about rock music. And then, you know, as you know, we would, you know, bring you guys and bring on the heavier side with you guys. And then sometimes I bring right. a hip hop artist with us and, and mix it up and just really finding your place. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? It's, it's, it's amazing. You were there with me. Was God didn't lie, did he? They, no, they came. They did. I mean, in mass. I mean, every, every time, every time. It was amazing to see that. So I'm just rejoicing, man, to see my life now. And now I just released, I don't know, this album, or this is an EP. So uh, EP number eight. Uh, I was, uh, the Lord, bro, for the, all those listening right now, I don't know if you're going to be able to, I'm talking long here, so I don't know if you're going to fit this in. But but on this part right here, it, it's never too late to pick up on your dream. And if you think you're hitting a ceiling, that man, and it's just like, okay, now's the time to quit. Just go pray and make sure if you're supposed to stop and do something else, maybe, a, maybe there's a, a shift in what you're doing. Okay, that's fine. But make sure, because if you still got the dream and the desire on the inside of your heart to keep doing it, don't you dare stop because you're hitting a ceiling. And if you're feeling like, I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore, but I want to do it. What's happening is you're about to bust through and you're, yeah. you're experiencing every type of stoppage that can stop you. All of hell is pulled out everything, man, to stop you. It's no holes barred because if you find out who you're going to be, hell is in trouble. That's what I really believe. And dude, you know me. I mean, we, we did all kinds of stuff and you know how many times I kept going up to bat. I kept going up at oh, it. Always. Kept going up to bat and doing it over and over again, kept going back to the studio. Then finally in 2017, um, and I worked in so many different studios. And, and then in 2017, I was praying. I said, God, do you want me to keep singing? It was like a dumb question as I knew I wanted to. Like, I, I was just hoping he didn't say, yes, I want you to stop singing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, dude, I walked out of that prayer and I was like, okay, that's it. Um, I'm praying. I told, I told my guitar player at the time, I said, praying. we're going to pray that we get the producer. I need to make sure that the producer that was right for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of great producers out there, but you got to make sure that it's a right marriage, right? Oh, absolutely. For what yeah. project that you're trying to do. And so I started praying about yeah. that. And then another connection was made within another connection. Then I recorded Rise Up. And then boom, here's 2017. 
And here we are in 2019. I'm still trucking, moving forward, believing God, trusting God, and trusting him for the money to be able to do it because I still wasn't signed, right? But so I was an independent, and then Winter Jam came along. To be one of the 10 bands, the largest Christian tour in the nation without a label, but believed in our vision and our ministries were aligned and the door opened. And it was just one step after another step. And then right after, right after when, oh, this is a really good piece, bro, because you understand this. I did a whole EP, but there just wasn't a single on the EP for radio. This is before I'm going to Winter Jam. I mean, I'm playing arenas and I had no single on radio. Yeah. And that's key. That's huge for our industry. Exactly. And so, but I'm saying, I'm saying you're like kicking yourself that yeah. you're playing arenas without a, without a tune on the radio. Right. Yeah. Cause it's so, needed. It is, for those who are not, who are listening to understand what we're talking about. I mean, you can't go out there, especially for something that big of a run and not have at least one single on air for people to be listening to for recognition or for draw or to build like it, it's, yeah. That's a lifeline to have one on the radio. Yeah. And I mean, we had so many pluses. I got to talk about Jody's book. It became a number one bestseller on Amazon her, her first month out, most of that month of January 2020. Got, and we got to, that book has made a huge impact on people. We're getting, still getting testimonies from that. And I'm still getting to minister and share my story. So that's important because, again, your testimony is the greatest story you ever tell. It's the greatest song you ever sing, right? Mm-hmm. So we had that opportunity. So guess what I did when I came off Winter Jam? I went right back into the studio again. I went back to the drawing board again and finished this EP and approached it again and had our single. And, and, and it's just, to me, a testimony after a testimony after a testimony. And now uh, with Tree in the Nails being, being released to radio, I'm like, this, all this, somebody said, well, how do you feel about that? It's exciting because here's, here's another reason. What do you and I want to do mostly? We want to use the gifting God's put inside of us to ex- expand our testimony. We want to share our testimony. Yep. People need to hear that they too can accomplish things that they thought they couldn't accomplish before because that's how good our God is. Hey, amen. So, Absolutely. Yeah, man. So I'm long-winded. You should do like you should get like six shows out of that one. Hey, man. <laughs> or one really good one. So uh man, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean wrote with you there for years and and I've always loved your testimony because uh, I mean you, I don't know. I mean, you know, you dealt with the 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 almost like the the uh, gang type violence um, lifestyle. Um, I mean, eventually, I will you know uh, give my testimony because my testimony was really heavy drug alcohol lifestyle. You know, Reese he had a different one, and and every one of our testimonies is different, and so powerful. And I know that there's people that I talk to or people that listen to the show that I just know. I'm like, man, I'm thinking of bills, and it's just so impactful. Um, and what God did, I think, was awesome, especially when you look at 10 years old, man, uh, you get saved, not at a church, but at a function, okay? And then Bro. 10 years later, you, know, you go to jail, mm. you get out. 10 years after that, you start preaching at functions and kids getting yep. saved at functions. You know, I, I, think, I think that was awesome uh, all in itself. Uh, it's, you know what's funny about that is remember what I said when I was seven? I told my friends, I said, all the little girls are going to come watch us sing. Yeah, yeah. Really funny because because all those ages of, of young kids were coming to the events later, but yeah. for a different reason. Yeah. Isn't exactly. that cool? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I mean, that's almost prophetic there at the age of seven. Yeah, yeah, man. You knew what was, so. what was going on. 
So, man, that, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, hopefully, and I'm not hopefully, I know that someone listening to this is going to take uh, what Billy has said, and, and it's it's impacted you definitely. Um, I know that that you needed to hear that. And right, man, we just we pray that God uses that uh, for you that's listening, that you do have a purpose, you've got a dream, and that's something that you strive and want to do. And it may seem like it never would happen or is just a just a stupid dream. It's not. And God's given you a purpose and a desire, and you need to run with that. And even if you were dealing with a rough lifestyle, something as hard as what Bill went through, it doesn't mean God can't take you out of it. And uh, that's, that's right. it's so, so important. And if you need anything, I mean, you can reach out to any of us here on the NPC talk show. Um, I'm always easy to reach. I, I message everybody. My phone blows up daily with people. Um, I will get back with you if you need prayer or you need you have questions reach out to me. If not, reach out to Billy. Um, you know, he's easy to reach on Facebook as well. You can find him at Billy Ballinger. Um, and we just, we're here praying for you and we love you and uh, anything you need, you can come to us for it. Right. Love it, man. So absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Bill, man, again, thank you so much for, for jumping on and giving your testimony. And man, before we jump out of here, we're going to roll your song, uh, tree in the nails again, as we did earlier in the show. Uh, but just spill a little bit about it, man. What's where's it at? What's it playing on? Give us a rundown on your single. Yeah, man. So uh, it, it's been out about thirty days now, and super stoked. So it's on all the platforms where you buy, where you get your music at, or where you listen to your music. And uh, so, I, give it a listen and go follow us on Spotify. That'd be a blessing to us, and uh, share it with your friends and family because it's just really we really feel like God gave us a great gift with that song. I agree. I mean, it talk- scars of life and it talks about the fact that it's not over yet god's not done with us yet you know so share it and it's it's all about jesus really obviously you know but when you when you talk about him he wants to talk about his kids because he loves us you know and he wants to he wants to give life uh to everybody he wants everybody to experience it so i'm super super stoked about the tree and the nails so thank you for thank you for allowing me to talk about it Oh man, not not a problem. And hey, Sludge, you know, Sludge is telling you, y'all know me. I like my heavy music. Bill testifies to it. He was with me for years on the road. Um, and <laughs> if I'm telling you and I'm playing it on the show, you know it's that good of a song. That's how we're going to end the show out today. Go to your local radio stations, request the song because it's going to minister to people. Um, and uh, we need to get help help him spread the message that he's spreading. So, yeah, man, they're going. What's that? Yeah, sorry, man. They're going to be contacting. They're all going to be contacting. You're going to think you converted to pop music. Or, <laughs> yeah, they're like Sludge. What happened to you? <laughs> what they don't what they don't know is you know I still every now and then I throw the Marvin Gaye albums on. Uh, oh yeah, man. Dude, that Motown man. I'm a sucker for it. Um, yeah. Every now and then, you just got to have that groove. So, but man, awesome. Again, thank you so much. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, we thank you guys so much for listening to the NPC Talk Show. This is Sludge. And Billy Ballinger. Y'all have a good night. What do I do with all these scars? How do I move on when they're with me dawn to dark? 